Good afternoon, greater Philadelphia area. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Sarah Timon. She's Stacey Mitchell. We've got Nick behind the camera, and we all work at the Tom Tool Sales Group, the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania since 2018, number 11 in the country, and apparently we're the number seven team in the state, but these real trends rankings are a little funky to me but uh anyway so we're streaming live every week facebook youtube instagram make sure to subscribe and follow and the fed met last week right this i don't know how we lead off with any other topic than the fed this is like the the local fed update radio show every 30 days or at least right after their meetings you know we're going to be talking about it uh so the fed did not raise the key interest rate and it 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 seemed like a hawkish pause, meaning they're they're basically saying Jerome Powell came out and was clear there's probably going to be two more rate hikes this year. Um, the housing market's begging for people to back off and stop the rate increases. People want to know how long it's going to last. Uh, the uh, Federal Open Markets Committee, the FOMC, decided to, again, pause rate hikes in June after data that pointed to cooling inflation and the need to assess how much banks have slowed down their lending due to recent failures in the sector. What, what do you two think about all this? I mean, I, I'm, I'm clear this – it looks like they're going to raise rates again. I don't think there's any question about that. Mortgage rates have kind of bounced around and been stabilized. We can get into that as well. There's a lot to unpack here because it's more – it's not so much about what they did with the rates. It's what happens next in the comments afterwards. Yes. I mean, I'm not surprised that they did not raise them um, here at this last meeting. I think that's kind of what everybody predicted. Um, also, not surprised if they'll go in and and raise them again. Um, that's That's been their trend. Um, it has been nice seeing the, uh, you know, your your average 30-year fixed here kind of ticking down a little bit and, and sitting in the same spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully it it stays around here or somehow even goes down a little bit more. But um, we're not, like, flirting with that 7% at this exact moment. So that's nice. <laughs> yeah, we kind of predicted that they would put a pause on that. Mm-hmm. So we can only hope that at their next meeting they continue that and, mm-hmm. and not hike it again. Um, some people were very surprised to hear this when I was talking about it uh, to some clients out there. Uh, so they were receptive to it and thought it was really good news, uh, especially that the interest rates were still holding firm in the sixes. Uh, so that was all very, very positive. I think that once it hit that seven mark, people were apprehensive again, um, kind of concerned. But I think if, you know, honestly, if it stays in the sixes, I think we'll be in good shape because mm-hmm. people are still wanting to transact even at those rates. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and uh, stability is probably the most important thing right now if you look at the volatility we saw january february march april even into may it was you know one week they were five nine nine they were seven a week later we saw all this movement which is almost unprecedented to see that kind of volatility so today we're getting quoted at six and seven eights i mean that they really haven't gone above seven it's kind of been i think last week we had one six and five eights quote and then it was back to six and seven eights so that seems to be where the the rates are going to at least stay for now. And a lot of the economists out there, uh, they expect that um, we're going to see this kind of stabilization between 6 and 7%, at least for the short term. And it, it really still comes down to the, the, this 2% inflation target. And the the challenge that we're seeing, and NAR talked about this, that 
they want the Fed to stop raising rates because um, even at 4%, which is the CPI inflation metric, the, the rent data is a year old. And we're seeing rents come down. A lot of people that have real-time rental data are seeing that happen. So because they're using year-old data, the 4% can go to 2% pretty quickly. And that's one of the that's one of the, the calls to action here. But a lot of economists, Danielle Hale from realorder.com, she expects that the uh, they're going to see some stabilization, maybe even some upward pressure on interest rates in the near term. Uh, George Ratu of Keeping Current Matters expect rates to see to kind of bounce in this six to seven percent range, um, and even with the uh, Mortgage Bankers Association, their SVP Mike uh, Frantantoni, um, you know we we saw he's saying we saw mortgage rates generally increase in the past month, and this has slowed the pace of the housing market activity, as buyers have been very sensitive to any change in the rates this year. So we're, we're at the very end of the spring market here, we're getting into summertime now. Do you see if rates stay where they are? Is like What's the second half of the year going to look like, knowing what the expectations are from the Fed and what a lot of these economists are saying? Well, I think with some of my clients, um, they're kind of getting a little tired of waiting around for things to happen. You know, I think they probably thought there would be more uh, interest rate drops and there's not, but at least it's holding steady. Um, and I also believe that they understand that the price, the home prices themselves are not going to go down, <laughs> not in this area. They're not indicating that at all, especially when you have, um, you still have some, you know, it's all house dependent here, but you do have still a lot of properties that go under contract very quickly and above asking price. So, you know, the the home sale prices continue to cl- uh, click up and the interest rates are holding steady. So they realize we we better make a move. Right. Because if we don't do it now, what happens next year? Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like you can't sit around and wait and speculate because you're going to get burned no matter what. The people that didn't buy a couple of years ago when it was three because the home prices were too high yep. are totally kicking themselves in the butt right now. Yep. Because they have higher interest rates and still the home prices are still going up. Mm -hmm. So um, I think the folks that I've been working with for, you know, nine plus months have realized this and and they're starting to get a little bit more aggressive, especially with summertime. Now they want to make a move before the school year. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it all comes down to to motivation um, and how open people are to listening to what to what is going on. Um, But just knowing that like this is this is where we like roughly we've been with the rates this is like roughly where we're going to be sticking around to um you know there's going to be a little bit of a dance here and there but um it's not like hey if you wait a month everything's going to just be going way down you know um and people that have been looking for a while and maybe thought that they knew more <laughs> um as to what is going to happen like seeing week after week month after month this being the same situation, um, I think it kind of sinks in a little bit more. Well, and you hit the nail on the head, Sarah. If, if you are not clear on motivation, there's not a reason to move. And we've gone from this, okay, there's 65% of people have a 3 or 4%. Well, now 92% of homeowners have a mortgage that are locked in the rates under 6%. So 
I, I'm clear we're going to see rates come down at some point. I, I, they're not they're not going to last here forever. I, I, I believe, and a lot of economists believe, that the Fed wants to see the labor market break and unemployment rise. And they want to see this inflation data come down, which it, it's maddening to me that the decision makers are looking at year-old data. Imagine if you showed a seller or a buyer year-old sales data. What would they say, Sarah? What would they, would they? <laughs> they wouldn't take us seriously. Right, right. So, I, but that's my point. So th- this is, you know, it's, it's this archaic decision making that's being used. And now you've got even more people locked in. I mean, if they're worried, if they're sensitive to the payment and they have a certain budget they can hit and they don't want to go any higher, you got 8% of homeowners that have a, a rate higher than six right now. So you get rates into the fives and that's where the, sp- there, there's this debate about the spread because you have the 10 year and where rates are, and the spread is way too big right now. It's one of the biggest spreads we've seen in history, from the yield on the rate to, um, or excuse me, the yield on the 10-year uh, treasury to current mortgage rates. There's, mm-hmm. there's this huge spread. And by all historical trends, the spread should be a lot smaller, and it's not because of the risk people are worried about with, are these banks going to fail? What's going to happen with the housing market? Prices ain't going down. I mean, that's just not happening. There's no shot that prices are going down at all. And we've seen time and time again that's been proven over decades-long data. So this is the the issue that we're, we're running into. Um, and, and looking forward, Jerome Powell is going to testify in front of uh, Congress. I, I don't know if it's the Senate or the House. I hope he doesn't stick his foot in his mouth again because it seems like the market overreacts to what he says there in a lot of cases. Um, we, we're going to have to wait on some more data to come out here. Uh, I mean, it just it seems like that, that we're, we're kind of waiting to see what the Fed's going to do next. And... They were pretty clear they're going to raise rates twice more this year. Mm-hmm. So are we, where are rates going to go? Because this has been this debate about what's going to happen. And, and you know, they're, they're not bad historically. We get that. Everyone just took advantage of these 3 and 4% rates, which is good for them. And now we've and, and that all started because the Fed brought the interest rate down to zero during the pandemic. And then rates came down, and now we're here. So what, what's, what, what's next over the next six months? And then I want to kind of talk about the, the, the market outlook here. I think the motivation is a great point, Sarah. But what do you guys think about where we are come December? I think there's a good chance they're going to pop over seven. Um, you know, maybe not for long periods of time, but I wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, pop up over the line and then kind of come back down again. I think by the end of the year, we're going to be in the sixes, hopefully below 6.5. Um but I, I think we're still going to be above six. I definitely think we're going to stay above six. Mm-hmm. Um, not sure if they'll make it to seven. I guess it really just depends on if the feds wait, like if the next time they meet, they don't raise. I think we'll be in much better shape as mm-hmm. far as interest rates. Um, but if they do, do, do decide to start, um, you know, pushing that envelope again and, and increasing the basis points, um, but it's possible could hit seven because of fear, you know, mm-hmm. because of that uncertainty. But then, um, but I, I think we're going to be in this territory where we are now in anywhere in the mid sixes. So a lot of experts disagree with your strategy, with your, your, your predictions here. They're saying we could see high fives by the end of the year. Um, a lot of this is going to depend on what the labor market does. And a lot of this is going to depend on this this lagged rental data that, that, that they're using because we have seen rents kind of soften a little bit. Um, and especially here, we're one of four cities in the country where it's cheaper to buy than rent. Um, what it looks like with the CME uh, Group Market Watch tool, there's a 74.4% chance as of today that we're going to see another 25 basis point increase coming up. Um, 
you know, I, I think that the, the biggest frustration with all this is that there'd probably be more people moving if inventory got unlocked. And these high rates are just causing people to lock in. Um, and we've seen inventory kind of surprise us a little bit this week. It, it jumped back up another 8,000 units, according to the housing market. Um, the housing market tracker from Housing Wire. Um, we also saw a, a bump in purchase applications where there was 8% growth week over week especially with rates kind of settling in. So maybe people are looking at stability. What does that, what does that application data tell you guys? It tells me that it is the stability factor and, and people are seeing the market for what it is. Uh, you have to just take a chance and get out and get in there because the, like you said, Tom, the home prices are not going down. Right. They're not. They're going to continue to climb. So if you wait another year, you might be paying $50,000 more for the same house. Mm -hmm. We don't know, but the way that it's been trending, um, and and again, then we won't know what the interest rates are next year. So I think people understand this. They realize that uh, threes are definitely gone for a very long time Mm -hmm. at this point, Uh, but the home prices rising still, they have to make a move so that they can, um, you know, they can experience and get into the home and have build that equity that everybody right. else is experiencing. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that when, you know, day to day and week to week, we're seeing these like jumps and drops, it makes it, it's a little bit scarier to to go forward and do something because that's where, you know, we always say that you can't time the market, but that's where people are more so trying to do that um, versus even if it's not like the ideal rate, but it's you know, pretty steady. It's like, all right, well, this is the situation that we're in. Let's go. Well, and, and I, I I do agree that people have gotten real because they've tried to outthink the market. You said it on this mm-hmm. show, Sarah, that you you can't you can't time the market. Right. It never it never works out. And there there is all this pent up demand. And as long as inventory stays low, until this inventory gets unlocked, which we get into the high fives, I see a lot more homes coming on the market with these home sellers that are kind of hunkered down in their in their current property. Um, and it, it looks like based on these comments here, um, that we're going to, we're going to see this more and more of what what you two were talking about, where people are only going to move if they're motivated. I mean, we know what the D's are like death, divorce, um, D relocation, diplomas, diamonds, diapers, Mm -hmm. dogs is a new one because these people are moving because they're dogs. They want a yard and, and default, right? So there's actually eight of them. Those are the reasons why folks are moving right now. And if you're not finding those people, then it's you're going you're gonna to be in a situation as a real estate agent where you might be spinning your wheels for someone looking for that perfect property. Have, have, have you two had clients like that where it took them years to find a home? I, I, and, and I'm talking about a continuous search, not like oh. they dip in and out, but or maybe it took them way too long and the market really moved away from them because I'm worried that's going to continue to happen to people. Yeah, I'm trying to think what the longest time frame would be for somebody who was continuously searching. Because, I mean, I've definitely had, like, years for people that, like, you know, are actively looking. And then they pull back for months and months, maybe even a year at a time, you know. Um, But for people that are out there steadily looking, once you get to that, like, consistency of, like, you're in constant communication, I feel like it's usually within a few months. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think if I've had anybody that was like steadily looking for like a year. I, I have someone that's still looking, <laughs> like, and it's been about two years. But how, how many homes have they looked at? Um, 
probably 12 to 15. They what they do a lot of due diligence before we actually okay. get out. So they haven't looked at that in. many properties. I mean, right. 12 to 15. I mean, that, that just they're browsing at that point. And now right. then they're going out to look at what they want. And that's not uncommon for some folks if they're looking for something very specific. Well, they put offers in. Okay. How many offers have they written? Two. So, but that's, you know. What was it, the time frame between the offers? It's been, it was a while. Okay. Six months plus maybe. Yeah, okay. because they are looking in a very specific area. Yeah, and a very specific type of home, so that's why it's been a long time. Yeah. Well, and, and I, I I see what's driving this here is you got this the two percent target hasn't gone away, and you know mm-hmm. we're we're still running way ahead of where we were because they put so much cash into the system. So th- this is like a, a problem that you know all the people that bought homes in twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty two are probably pretty happy if they got these low rates. You got you got to pay for it at some point right you can't like rob what is it you can't rob peter to pay paul or something one of those old things my grandmother would have told me so it's it's a classic example of like we're paying we're paying the bill now for what happened beforehand and it's i i don't know that there's a slow way out of this what i do anticipate is that 2024 is going to be a bananas year if you want to sell real estate and there's a lot of opportunity there because this can't this cold like war this this freeze of the market where you got the sellers on one side, the buyers, you've got some buyer resistance now. Like they're not ready to kind of go up above the asking price all the time. Some people are, but it's not like it was even 12 months ago. At some point that's going to break. So mm-hmm. what, what what do you see? Is it having, what would, what would cause the market to break and unlock a little more activity here? I mean, I think, you know, as we've been talking about, obviously like interest rates are, are a factor there. Um, and then you've got you do have like the sellers that have been waiting to downsize or waiting to make that next move where like something's going to give somewhere either if it's because they need to move up to the bigger house because the family's growing or the maintenance of having the big house suddenly like outweighs the you know I'm going to have to have either the higher interest rate or whatever the factor is for where they where they go to next but if everybody's been kind of like holding tight for you know, over a year, two years, like at, like at some point something has to give. Um, but I don't know if it'll be, a, I don't know what event would have to occur aside from interest rates for it to be anything other than just like a trickle of like people giving in, <laughs> you know, like I don't know when like the floodgates would open. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if there's ever going to be floodgates. Right. Um, unless the, the interest rates totally went back down to some kind of but that would have yeah. to be some kind of catastrophic event right which i don't know um and it's it's hard to predict something like that but yeah as the boomers age out mm-hmm. i mean it's yeah. it's happening yeah right um that's where you're gonna see some houses coming on the market the mm-hmm. downsizers or you know their their whole living situation completely changes mm-hmm. um you know death and divorce are always motivation mm-hmm. for people sure. selling properties um but besides that i agree with sarah i don't know of any other you know unless the interest rates drop there's no other um thing that could happen that i could see or predict right. that would like just have like an abundance of yeah inventory all you know instantly come to market mm-hmm. I, don't know. I i I'm, i agree with both of you that if rates get into the high fives Buckle up and let, let's get to work because there's people that want to move. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, especially these folks you mentioned downsizing. And I mean, boomers control the, the majority, not the majority, but they control the most of the world's wealth right now. I think it's one seventh of the world's wealth or, or something like that. 
And they're sitting on these properties where they're just like, you know what? It's not worth it for me to have a similar payment on a smaller home. Like, what's what's the point? I might as well ride out the appreciation. And it, this is where it's it's going to be even more critical for agents to have more conversations, to talk to more people, to identify the folks that are really motivated. Because you guys are all still doing deals right now. It's not like there aren't homes selling. You said on the show there, there's uh, homes coming on the market every day. I mean, you're meeting with people that have some challenges that are still ready to move. And they're they're saying, hey, you know what? I get rates are high. I get inventory challenging. And I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. Let's move ahead. Because I want to make a move that's going to be better for my lifestyle and my family. Or that's going to be better for me financially. And that's the folks you need to find. And asking questions like, hey, so what's important to you about this move, Sarah? Or... Mm-hmm. Tell me more about what your backup plan is if you don't decide to move, Stacy. These are the things you need to be asking people as a, sm- as a smart agent, as a well-informed agent, so you can determine how motivated they are because there's going to be a lot of people that will waste your time in conditions like this. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's even, it's, it is interesting looking at, like, if you're on, like, the hot sheet or whatever. If you're refreshing it throughout the day, like, 37, like, I just did it right now, 37 <laughs> minutes ago, 37 minutes ago, 37 minutes, like, stuff is throughout the day. It's a different hot sheet. Well, the bottom of the hot sheet is still what, like the top of the hot sheet. What's a hot sheet for everyone listening? (laughs) Okay, so it is um, basically compiling new date. Like you set parameters for, you know, counties or or different places and like what type of what type of uh, house you're looking for. If it's like right now, mindset for single family homes in Montgomery, Montgomery, Delaware, Chester. Um, And throughout the day, when you just go in and refresh it. It's new things are, are popping up. It could be things coming back to the market, new coming soon, some that didn't do a coming soon and just came to the market, um, price drops, or there's like a decent amount of price increases that like... Some of that's new construction too, mm, so you got to yeah. kind of be careful with that. Um, there's also times where you, there's 71 homes that are back to active, um, and with those back to active properties, they may be sold for higher, mm-hmm. and then they, they come back at a higher number. Yeah. Um, But you're absolutely right. I'm looking at the last seven days of market activity in Philadelphia, Chester, Delaware, uh, Montgomery counties. And overall, the the new homes that have come to the market under coming soon and new active are 654. And there's another 71 that came back to active. So you got over 700 opportunities that have come to the market, um, which which is interesting. So, I mean, there's, there's still new stuff coming to the market. And the month's supply of inventory is up. 15, 17% in the suburbs and almost 30% in Philadelphia compared to this time last year. That's the conversation you need to be having with people because it's taking longer for homes to sell. The absorption rate's slower. So mm-hmm. there, there's more opportunities than you might think. It's just less than what you might have been used to if you're looking at the market four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. So a lot to unpack from the Fed. I think we, we said it all there. We covered a lot. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We are going to discuss... Something I find pretty interesting, which is that CFPB, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, and U.S. Senators are now looking at home flipping companies. We'll unpack that next on Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. When you're getting a mortgage, you shouldn't have to sacrifice great service just to get a great rate. At Mortgage America, we've been lending with this philosophy for over 35 years. We have access to great low rates without the complications and delays of big or online banks. We're a local Pennsylvania lender with loan officers that you can actually meet. As PHFA's number one lender, we specialize in all residential mortgage programs, including first-time buyer programs and low-down payment options. For your free pre-approval, call us at 610-439-8000 or apply online at mymortgageamerica.com. Mortgage America is the MLS 12. 
The Tom Tool Sales Group is the number one Remax team in Pennsylvania with over $165 million in volume for 2021. I'm Tom Tool, and our team has achieved that kind of success by being a great place to work with and to work for. No one knows Greater Philly better than we do. We know real estate, but more importantly, we're real people. We hire the best agents, and we give them all the tools to succeed. Even our brand new agents sell 17 to 24 homes a year because our team delivers the best experience in real estate. Teams deliver a better experience than individuals, and we're a top 1% real estate team in the country. We call it AAA service. We're your advocate, ally, and advisor. Because this isn't a transaction to us. It's a relationship. If you're buying or selling a home, call the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX main line at 610-692-6976 or visit TomTool.com. That's TomToolWithAnE.com. Sell your home for more and remember the real estate golden rule. You always get more when you work with Tom Tool. For the best local mortgage service and great rates on your money, look no further than Mortgage America. We've been operating in the greater Philadelphia area for 40 years with a focus on smooth, easy access to home purchasing. Whether you're a first-time buyer, upsizing or downsizing, or just refinancing, we have programs for you. We also have closing cost assistance programs and access to subsidized interest rates. Pre-approval is free, no costs or commitments. To learn more, visit our website at mymortgageamerica.com or give us a call at 610-439-8000. We always have a person available to take your call with around-the-clock human service. Purchase your home with the personalized local service you find at Mortgage America. Mortgage America is an equal housing lender. NMLS 128501. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit TomTool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax main line. Welcome back to Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacey Mitchell. She's Sarah Timon. We've got Nick behind the camera. We all work at the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline, the number one Remax team in Pennsylvania since 2018. Number 11 in the country, number seven, according to Real Trends, for all the teams in Pennsylvania, number one in the suburbs, blah, blah, blah. We're here to talk about real estate. So with that in mind, we're streaming live on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. Just uh, look us up. Make sure to subscribe and follow. I find this very interesting, this next topic here. I'm, I'm curious what you two think. So the CFPB, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, and some senators, bipartisan, by the way, which is when you actually have a good idea coming out of Washington, you hope, at least. Um, <laughs> so there's, there's a duo of bipartisan U.S. senators, um, and they have said they intend to more closely scrutinize the business practices of house-flipping companies. So not individuals, but house-flipping companies, um, like places like Homevestors and and the, the reason I mention Homevestors is they train about 1,150 franchisees to zero in on desperate homeowners, according to a report uh, published by uh, ProPublica. Um, and uh, they ha- this, this, was, uh, this report was published uh, pretty recently. It was in uh, May of this year. Um, and it, that's a non-for-profit uh, sort, of, sort of news organization. And during a Senate hearing last week, um, Senator uh, Tina Smith from Minnesota asked the uh, CFPB director uh, about the company and potential actions that the bureau could take. 
And they went on to say about this uh, real estate flipping company, and, and there's more than just them, by the way. Like, we buy ugly houses. Like, these people are trained to do this stuff. Um, they're alleging they're targeting vulnerable homeowners and using the deception and coercion to close sales. And um, they're, they're, they're saying, uh, the senator is saying that the CFPB does have a role to play in preventing such issues from going nationwide. What do you think about all this? What's the coercion and yeah, what are their, Yeah, what are the... What are they alleging happens? So I, I didn't read the whole report. Um, this is a lot like wholesaling, mm-hmm. right? And where they, you know, they, they target folks that are desperate. Um, and, you know, they mentioned, like, we buy ugly houses. We're targeting elderly and ill homeowners mm-hmm. where they need the money quick. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's what they're talking about here. Um, and... You know, the, the, there's two senators, one from Wyoming, uh, Cynthia Loomis, and then uh, the, the senator from Minnesota. Um, and they recommended that they take steps to protect homeowners from predatory home buying practices. Um, they detail alarming and misleading practices where franchisees allegedly target these vulnerable homeowners using uh, deception and coercion to close sales and employing complex legal maneuvers to prevent their victims from backing out of the sales despite unfair conditions. Um, so I, I didn't, again, I didn't read the whole report, um, but the, I, I, they say things like sell without a realtor, save the realtor fee. I mean, yeah. we, we've heard this stuff before. So, so what do you think about this? Because I, I've got a clear opinion on this. I want to get your take. So is this like, they're probably going in, they're saying like, we know that you're in a bad spot. We'll do you a solid here and give you cash and save you on all these different things. And I'm guessing they're giving them like way less than what they would be making if they took it to the market, but promising them like an easy, quick transaction. And this is the only way that your life's going to stay together would be like my guess. Well, and then then they try to assign the contract in a lot of cases to another buyer Mm -hmm. and their profit is whatever the Delta, the difference is between the price they offer the homeowner and then the price that the actual buyer pays. Mm -hmm. So I mean, we see. I mean, you, you see this stuff all the time. So, I mean, yeah. wholesaling is a is a practice here. Um, it's a big practice. Yeah, yeah. It's all yeah. I, I, all over the place. Yeah. But, so, would the sorry would the way that like they would kind of get ahead of this would that be like giving brochures to the like different areas, being like watch out for this, or like educating them on what you know what the downsides are. I, I don't, I don't think they have a, a, a game a plan, plan in here. Place. I yeah. think it's more, this is an issue and we've got to stop it. Right. Cause I mean, to some degree going after people that have either been in their home for a very long time or are in, like, I don't want to say like are in a vulnerable spot, but that is somebody that's motivated to move. <laughs> so, um, that's kind of like, you know, targeting people that are most likely to transact. Um, so I don't know that there's in itself anything wrong with that but it would be the like it's not cool if they go in and are like coercing people to do things and then not letting them out once they like realize this isn't this isn't a good situation well the the difference though is that these people don't have real estate licenses and don't have standards they have to follow gotcha like we we we, if if you were going to buy a property and and let's say you you go knock on someone's door and they've been in the home 58 years right Mm -hmm. very likely to sell and I've seen this. Ha- hey, we're, we're, we're sick. We're not doing well. We got to sell this place right away. And you say, hey, you know what? I'm going to buy it and I'm not going to take it to the market. You actually, it, it, to protect yourself and not lose your license, you would need to get them to sign something saying, I know I'm leaving money on the table and could sell the home higher on the open market. Gotcha. That That's what I would recommend any real estate agent does because 
when you're taking their equity and flipping it and putting it in your pocket as profit. That that's what they're talking about okay. here. Like I mean, that's what these companies do. It, 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 it's you know, I mean, look, you see this all the time. I mean, I'm on these these lists of wholesalers. I see them. They they email me stuff constantly about sales that are never come to the market, and they're usually beat up properties, and you can tell that they're in some sort of distress situation. Yeah. Well, I think that I mean. There's shady players in every business, mm-hmm. right? I mean, every business. So for the most part, there's probably people in these businesses that genuinely are trying to help people because not every seller is in a position that they're going to have, you know, these beautiful photos and, you know, there's yes. there's a lot of people that hoard, okay? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that haven't maintained a property for 50 years, Um it could be falling apart around them for mm-hmm. whatever reason, financial problems, mental problems, whatever. Um, these folks don't see a way out for right. the most part. They're like, nobody's going to buy my house. I'm embarrassed mm-hmm. to let anybody in my house. But if I could sell it because it's, you know, there's maybe they don't owe anything on it um, and get out of here and start something new and something fresh, um, then this could be an avenue for them. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's hard to across the board unless we actually have uh, specific, you know, right? Like how are how, you coercing? Like right? What are you, I want to know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like what are these things that you're like presenting them with? Yeah, right. And I I I agree. Some people, some elderly people, have no representation. Right. They don't have family. They don't have. Um, but again, you know. Maybe they're in that type of situation where they're embarrassed. They don't think that anybody's ever going to buy their house, and this is just a solution to a right. problem. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't know. I mean, this is too broad. But I one thing I do know is when government gets involved in anything, for the most part, especially our federal government, and they try to make micromanage, you know, maybe this is something for each individual state to take on mm-hmm. um, because we do have real estate boards in each state. Yeah. Uh, so maybe that's something for a state level and not federal government. Yeah. Or maybe this is like kind of random, but I had to go into one of the local police stations not too long ago because I had. You um, have the craziest things happen to you, Sarah. <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, it's, it's keep going. I well, just, like I have something to... was expired and then I got like, I didn't get a ticket. I had like a certain amount of time to like get it updated and then go in and like prove that I did it. So I did that. And while I was standing at the window, um, there were a bunch of pamphlets for, I think kind of more directed towards like, you know, elderly people being victims of a lot of these different scams where somebody will call and say like, you know, a family member needs money and da 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 da. The AI things going on. Yeah. And so there was a lot, like there were like brochures and like numbers to call for like, is this a scam? (laughs) You know, to like give the rundown. Um, So I wonder if maybe they would, like, I don't know how many people that actually reaches if you're not actually going in to the police station for some reason mm-hmm. or, or whatnot. But I wonder if that's kind of how they would tackle it or have like a phone number to call if somebody says something that sounds too good to be true, like to look it up. I don't know. Because I, mean, I don't know that like everybody's going to be able to go in and like know how to like Google a company and get the reviews and see what see what's what. So maybe like a phone number that you can call into and say like, is this legit? <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. Or well, maybe they have to provide disclaimers. Yeah. Like maybe there should be disclaimers on yeah. the bottom of their ads or call this number. Right. I, 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 I think know. the problem is, though, you're dealing directly with a buyer, right? And, you know, any – any I mean, just think about the transactions you've had to deal with where you're you're dealing directly with both sides of the transaction. Like, I mean, it, it gets really tough, and people mm-hmm. don't know what the laws are. They don't know what they can and can't do. And, 
you know, I'm, I'm just I'm reading this report here and uh, on on ProPublica, and um, one of the franchise owners in North Carolina, her name is Katie Southard. She said you were always lying to clients. That's what we were trained, and there was a price that you could pay, but you always wanted to go lower and tell them that was the price you could pay. I mean, it, it's you know, they're whatever price they agree to, they're directly profiting from that. So versus a real estate agent, we're trained to be the fiduciary and the advocate. I mean, I've told every homeowner that I've ever met. You're better off putting this on the market than selling it yourself if you want to maximize the price. I mean, there, mm-hmm. there, there's no question there because you don't know how the market's going to react. And this wholesaling business, and it's not just homevestors, it, it's largely unpoliced because they're consumers in some ways. So, um, you know, my, my, my hope is that there are some controls around this because th- there's been homes I, I've interviewed for listings and they just they just sell to the, the investor and they're like, oh, it's easier that way. And they're, we're just talking about leaving like, tens of thousands of dollars on the table more than any any real estate fee is going to be um, because they're just they're 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 worried about you know they just want it to be easy and the reality is there's tons of investors out there looking to buy properties right now and the transactions can be very easy if you position the property correctly Mm -hmm. so i'm 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 glad to see this because i I think this industry is a little uh, i mean it's it's slimy at best uh to to put that i mean i don't know what you two think yeah no i mean i think that um Absolutely. Like you want you want fair transactions. And anytime that we can protect the consumer, it's always better. Mm-hmm. I mean, because you never know when you're going to be in a position. And again, when we were talking about these the scams that go on and mm-hmm. it's really getting scary now with the AI stuff and the phone calls and people can, yeah. you know, AI voices um, mm-hmm. and send money here and send money there. So any way that we can protect the consumer is fine. But um, again, I go back to the federal government getting in and getting there, getting involved in stuff. It's it just makes it more convoluted, I think, and, and difficult. But maybe on a state level, because each state has different. Well, the laws ways. are different. Yeah, yes. that's a great point. I mean, yeah. disclosure laws are different in yeah. every state. So uh, you know, I, I mean, real estate transactions in other states. Have you have you guys been through any real estate transactions not in Pennsylvania? No. So I, I was in one in New Jersey. It's dramatically different. You got three days. You can just kill the deal at any time when you sign the contract. Oh, wow. Like, I mean, this, and this is like over there. So it's right. not even that far. And, and we don't have attorneys involved. We've talked about mm-hmm. that before. So, you know, I mean, looking at this report, I mean, there it, this is not a good report. I wouldn't want to be on the other side of this. I mean, there, there, there's a quote, hey, um, that cat piss smell, you know what that smell is? It's money. And like, I mean, it's I mean, this is. You know, this is kind of wild. This is what these people are trained to do. But if you've dealt with these kind of folks, I mean, they have no loyalty to anybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've dealt with investors, right? And they work yes. with like five different agents. Yep. Not, and not all of them. I mean, but it's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so I'm, I'm glad this is, I I like that the investigation's getting opened. And I think mm-hmm. it would be have to be a, a state level solution to your point, Stacey, um, or require some sort of licensure where yeah. there's like standards right. enforced. In, in I mean, it's, you know, these people are, Going and basically acting as real estate agents without having to have a license because they're the principal. Right. So we'll have to see how this plays out. I mean, I'm glad it's bipartisan. I think that's probably the best, best yeah, piece of Yeah, that doesn't here. happen often. Yeah. Right. Especially, especially in 2023. Yeah. All right. So we're going to take a quick break. We are going to come back and we're going to unpack uh, something Stacy and I did last week where we were making live client calls on BAM and what our takeaways were, how we can apply that to our businesses, how we can keep in touch with our clients after the settlement. That'll all happen next on Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM.
Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit tomtool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline. You shouldn't have to deal with all the red tape when getting your mortgage from a big or online bank. At Mortgage America, we have access to big bank money, but with the personalized and detailed service of a local bank. We are here in your community and ready to serve with fast settlements, low down payment options, and first-time homebuyer programs. Pre-approval is free, no costs or commitments. For more information, visit our website at mymortgageamerica.com or give us a call at 610-439-8000. Mortgage I'm Tom Tool of the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline. If you're thinking of becoming a real estate agent in the greater Philly area, I have a special offer for you. Our team did $165 million of volume in 2021, making us the number one Remax team in Pennsylvania and a top 1% team nationally. Our agents love us because we offer them a successful career, a great life, and an unbeatable culture. Agents who've been with us for at least a year average 30-plus sales. Even our brand new agents average 17 to 24 sales a year. We offer proven systems and expert training. We help you set more appointments and sell more houses. Now here's the offer. If you don't have a real estate license yet, we offer real estate scholarships so you can get one for free. Check it out at realestatescholarshipprogram.com or visit the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline at tomtool.com. That's tomtoolwithane.com. Get more out of your real estate career and remember the real estate golden rule. You always get more when you work with Tom Tool. When you're getting a mortgage, you shouldn't have to sacrifice great service just to get a great rate. At Mortgage America, we've been lending with this philosophy for over 35 years. We have access to great low rates without the complications and delays of big or online banks. We're a local Pennsylvania lender with loan officers that you can actually meet. As PHFA's number one lender, we specialize in all residential mortgage programs, including first-time buyer programs and low-down payment options. For your free pre-approval, call us at 610-439-8000 or apply online at mymortgageamerica.com. I hear a train coming. Yeah. All right, all right. Welcome back to Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Sarah Timon. She's Stacey Mitchell. We've got Nick Wolf behind the camera, and we all work at the Tom Tool Sales Group, the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania since 2018. And we're streaming live every week. Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. Nick, I don't know if we can put up the link to subscribe and follow on YouTube. That would be amazing if we can. Um, and we're there every week. Just check us out, subscribe, and follow, obviously. So um, Stacy and I, we did something. I thought this was pretty cool. I don't know what you expected. I've done a couple of these with uh, BAM, so uh, the Broke Agents Media Company, um, where we did live calling sessions. Because how many times um, – you guys have sat through a lot of these because we work together. And we talk about all the theory behind, like, making calls and prospecting. And there, and so this is a great – and we, we, do, we do a lot of doing and implementation as well. So we did a live stream of calling our clients and I don't, I hate the word past clients cause they should be your clients for a long time. Like you should want to develop a relationship with them. I know you two are really strong at that. And, uh, we made calls, we talked to people, there were some takeaways. The reason I bring this up and I think this is important and I want to get your uh, reaction to, uh, Stacy to, to doing the, the, the stream is that 89% of home buyers, they would use their agent again yet less than 20% do because of lack of follow-up. 85% of sellers would use their agent again. 
It's a, it's like 11% actually do because of lack of follow-up. And so many people, they collect the fee and neglect the client. So it's a, it's a bad way of doing business. I have a daily discipline. Literally, it's on my yellow pad here. I make sure I call five people in my database a day, no matter what, just to keep in touch. What was your aha moments from doing this? Because you, you, you had like a 20-minute conversation. It sounded like there was a couple of like referral opportunities in there. So So tell us about that, and then we can go over some of the Keys to reconnect. And Sarah, I'd love to hear what you do because I know you also get some really good business from your past clients and the people you know. It, it was great. I didn't know what to expect either. Um, but I was able to connect. I believe I connected with two people live on the phone, which is great. And the one was a very long conversation. Mm-hmm. But um, it was a great way for us to catch up. And he, you know, he answered the phone with, hey, Stacy, what's going on? You know what I mean? So he knew exactly who I was. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were able to just pick up where we left off, you know, after he closed on the house, but he called me up on what was going on with his home, his big addition that he put on. I knew already about the pool. Um, I left it open ended. I told him next time I'm in his neighborhood, I was going to give him a call and stop by the house. And he was receptive to that. He's like, hey, yeah, do that. You know, okay. So I have an open invitation now if I'm in his neighborhood to stop by to see the addition. Um, also, it was an opportunity for me to provide him with updated comps on the value, including that new addition, square footage on the mm-hmm. home. Mm-hmm. Um, so I sent those over to him. Um, and the second call, it was a follow-up. It's a contractor who's also uh, a client of mine. I sold a house to him. And um, I refer him to other clients of mine. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to follow up with him specifically because I wanted to thank him for recently helping a client to get their house sold. There were nice. some fixes that needed to be done, some repairs. And he got out there right away, gave them a very fair price, got it all done professionally. The guy's amazing. So I, I wanted to – a lot of times those things – don't, you don't hear about the good things. You <laughs> always find out about the bad things, right? right People right. were quick to tell you what you did that sucked. Right. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. but to get somebody to actually say, hey, you know, thank you. And you did such a great job. And they really appreciate it. And they loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, it was a good way for me to reconnect with them. Because I also know that they are going to be looking for other properties mm-hmm. uh, to they're settled in their home, but they want other properties so that they can fix and rent mm-hmm. um, as an investment standpoint. But also, um, he's coming out to my house to give me a price on replacing a deck on Wednesday night. So we totally reconnected. You better right. give me a good price. Right, because <laughs> <laughs> right, I do refer him. But to me, it, the the calls were very valuable because it is all about the reconnection. Mm-hmm. And you want to stay in these people's minds, not only as an agent, but as someone that they can count on. If they needed information, they could come to you directly and quickly, and you'll right. be there and you'll turn it around for them. Yeah. So what is that, what are you going to do now differently? Because, I mean, is this something you were doing consistently in your business? Do you feel like you need to do more of it? What what I mean, so obviously you were great at it. No surprise there. Um, what, what What's your kind of aha moment after doing that? Well, I do have um, other ways that I touch clients on a quarterly basis, but not so much with phone calls. Um, They do get uh, mailers from me, but the phone calls go a long way. It's so personalized. Mm -hmm. Um, And just to talk to people on a human level, Mm -hmm. not through a text message or an email or a mailer, um, it just is so much different. And you can just ask people how they are doing genuinely as human to human. 
um, which we so lack these days. And to me, that that was my aha moment. Like, hey, I have to do this more often. I have to really just get on the phone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if if it goes to voicemail, you can shoot them a text. Hey, I just, you know, wanted to catch up. Um, but if they if they see your number and they do pick up and, you know, you can strike up that conversation, it's it just it, it's great. It's just a great way to reconnect. So my takeaway is I'm going to do more of that because it's so important. Um, and there's so much value there. Just even if it doesn't get anywhere with a, a, a sale or a deal or anything, just to reconnect mm-hmm. with people. Um, but yeah, I, I wasn't doing it as uh, enough, but I will definitely do it more. Yeah, when I feel like what I love about the phone calls too is it's a little bit less formal. Like you don't have to sit there and like type out an email and like think of everything that you're going to say. You can just pick up the phone and call. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's great when you catch somebody at a good time and they have a couple minutes and you can just catch up and it doesn't have to be anything real estate related. Like usually at some point that comes up. But um, yeah, and I what I like about the different call sessions um, and just hearing different like people's like different styles of how they connect with clients and, um, you know, everything is obviously always tailored to the person that you're talking to. Like some people are more formal, some people are mm-hmm. more casual, like, but just hearing um, you always pick up little tidbits and it can be something so tiny, but um, when you implement it, it just like smooths things out or um, it's always, it's, it's just good to hear other people's takes on how they do these calls. Yeah, and I, I think it, it shows how easy it is. It, mm-hmm. The hardest part literally is picking up the phone and dialing it. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's ever like do a workout and they said, hey, you, you did the hardest part. You showed up for the workout. Mm-hmm. And, like, I mean, and it's, it, it's the same kind of thing because these are conversational calls. The big takeaway, the one takeaway I love from Emily White, um, you know Emily. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to apologize for not keeping in touch. Like it was, hey, how you doing? Been a while. Like there was no, there was no apology, which I think is really relevant because – we're doing something above and beyond what most agents are doing is by keeping in touch with, with your people and, and making it that kind of daily discipline, um, using the Ford script. So that's an acronym where you ask about like someone's family. So like, hey, how's Maddie doing? How's Kevin? You get into the occupation. How's the work environment been? Recreation. Hey, what did you do for Father's Day? Did you, you got any summer vacation plans? That sort of stuff. It can be really easy to uh, have these conversations and you're not getting into, to your point, like it's a formal of a conversation, which... Most people tend to flourish in unless you're a mental patient like me and actually do better in the business conversation. So um, it, it's it's not that hard to do. It's more about being consistent and doing it every day. And that, that it's like to me, that's one of my like daily disciplines is just having that. All right, am I did I talk to my five people a day? Because you may not get any business right away, but when you have those conversations over time, stuff's gonna fall into your lap out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. But it's not out of nowhere. It's not out of nowhere. <laughs> it's someone maybe you didn't talk to, right. but like it, it's the universe yes. saying like, good job, Sarah. Good job, Stacy. You're doing what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And and that's where it gets a little weird sometimes. It's like, oh, I, I can't believe this person called in. But when you're focusing on something, it tends to grow. And when you shake the tree, something's going to fall out. Yes. Yeah, I agree. So what are you going to do differently with your business now, Stacey? So you mentioned more calls. And Sarah, I'm, I'm curious what if, if this is inspiring you to do anything so tomorrow's June, you know, June 21st, any changes to your day-to-day or like your lead gen plan or your client care plan that you're going to be looking at? Well, I do have a plan for the next three weeks. And All right. I love that. Here we go. <laughs> so it incorporates, um, we had a training last Thursday. Yes. So it incorporates um, those 25 calls of uh, conversations through Boomtown, which um, they were leads that I need to 
follow up on. And, and there's like, what, almost 290 some that mm-hmm. I, I have to focus on in the next three weeks. So it's 25 a day. And then it's five of my um, clients, whether they're past clients or sphere, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we broke it down into those smaller segments, it was a lot easier to digest than to say, okay, you got to hit these 290 some people in the next three weeks. It's kind of an overwhelming thing. But we chunked it down, and it's so far so good. Uh, I'm on track, um, so I'm gonna. I, I'm bound and determined to hit my goal. But that is, I want to make sure that I hit those five people every day, as far as my sphere is concerned, too, because I think that's really, really important. And honestly, I enjoyed it. So yeah. you know, that always call makes me selfish for being, you know, <laughs> for actually liking the conversations too. It's right, not, it's, right. It wasn't didn't feel like work. Yeah. Um, I know for me, I'm in addition to breaking down some of these, uh, the different calls from the meeting that we had on mm-hmm. Thursday that we need to get to, um, really trying to, uh, just reach out to my sphere more. Um, it at first like put me a little bit out of my comfort zone, you know, but, um, I've, you know, been doing more and more of it. And, um, you know, we have a couple different, I have a couple different things coming up where I know I'll be able to talk to my sphere about what's going on. And it is what is nice is this is one of those industries where people do you don't have to bring it up. People are going to say, "How's the market? What's going yeah, on with yeah. this?" Mm-hmm. Blah blah blah. So just kind of like being prepared going into it, um, knowing kind of what's going on in some different areas, um, and like being ready to talk about it. So I, I love and and we've done this before too, where you chunk things down because it's really overwhelming. Looking at like I got to make two hundred ninety calls, or if I looked at all my past clients. The ability to call them all, like it would, just, I'd be like, "There's no way I can call these people." Mm-hmm. Five a day, you can you can pretty much do anything five times a day, right? Like yeah. you can do five bicep curls a day, right? Yep. You should be okay as long as you're not using any crazy weights. You can, you know, I mean, it, it it sounds silly, but to me, that's what disciplined people that take action over time that have successful results in business. It's all what's my daily number, and when you break it down into like having two daily numbers or three daily numbers, and then you can move on. And it's like, all right, check done. It gives you the confidence to make it easier and scalable and repeatable. Mm-hmm. So when it, it eliminates some of that wasted time of spinning your wheels of like, okay, what do I do now? You know, right. like you've got right. your plan, you've got your your schedule lined up. Yep. Well, I love that you guys are actually doing it. That's why you're successful agents. That's why I appreciate you guys a lot because I mean it's 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 great to talk about this stuff, but it doesn't matter if you don't do any of this. So I'm glad there was some great takeaways from keeping in touch with your clients. I'm really glad to hear you guys are doing it, and that's gonna be it for this week's episode. So if you want to follow Sarah, she's at Ty underscore tie time on Instagram. You can follow Stacy at the number two Mitchko. You can follow me at Tom tool third at Tom tool three RD. And we're streaming live. Like I said, every single week, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, just look us up. It's Tom tool sales group. We'll get Nick to post the link and we'll be back next Tuesday on WWDB 860 AM. That's it for this week's episode of tool time, real estate radio.